0: In that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner, in the old time, the holy women also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife. As unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courageous, excuse me, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, but contrariwise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. Don't overlook that, that ye should inherit a blessing. As I mentioned, this is all going back to 1 Peter 2, 21. As we begin chapter 3, the first word you read in chapter 3 is likewise. All right, so when you see a word like that, you've got to wonder why that word is there. Likewise. What is, like what? what? What are we comparing this to? And so in doing that, we go back up to, verse 20, to chapter 2, verse 21, where the Bible says, For even hereunto were ye called. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow His steps. For even here unto were ye called. We were called here. We were called where we are. We were called to salvation. None of us just woke up one day and had the idea on our own, I think I'll get saved today. Live a holy and righteous lifestyle. Now, the, the holy and life, righteous lifestyle is one that God has a tendency to have to drag us into kicking and screaming, right? Now, he called us into salvation. He convicted us of sin. He sent preachers and evangelists and, and teachers and people who ministered to us into our path to teach us about the lord to call us to salvation to convict us of sin and show us our need for jesus he called us to salvation he called us he called you where you are he called us where we are he called us to our families the scripture says that john the baptist was going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children right we are called to our families. We are called to this church. The, the word church is translated from a Greek word, ekklesia, which means a called out assembly. God calls his people together into churches. We, we are called together here. We are here unto called, for even here unto were ye called. We were called to this community. Yes. I can I can say that explicitly, that God said, go ye therefore and go to Brownwood. Okay, so he didn't say it in the King James English, but I had a burning desire to move to this area, to minister here. Sometimes it's obvious like that. Sometimes you just kind of sort of wind up someplace and you're not quite sure how I wound up here. But God has called you here. Hereunto were ye called, ye are called here, and we were called. We were called. For even hereunto were ye called because Christ suffered for us, he was flogged. He was scourged. He was beaten. The crown of thorns put on his head. He was nailed to the cross. And on that cross, he endured the wrath of God. He suffered. We are called because he suffered. We are called to salvation because Christ suffered to purchase that salvation for us. He purchased the salvation. Then he called us to it. When you were a kid, your mom, hopefully, I mean, we we don't all have the same upbringing, but a lot of people, you know, their mom would cook dinner and then their mom would call them to dinner. Right? Jesus bought our salvation, suffered for our salvation. He called us to that salvation. He suffered to redeem us, to call us. And by doing so, he enabled us to live the purpose he's given us. And this is an example for us to follow. We are to follow his steps. We are to be willing to suffer for him. And we are to be willing to suffer for each other. And this is a theme that Peter is on. This is the theme he's talking about. This is what he wants us to learn. The marriage lesson in 1 Peter chapter 3 is an illustration to the greater purpose of enduring with each other and suffering for each other. And sometimes we suffer each other, All right, But to endure all of that, because that's what Jesus did for us. That's the overall message here. Because we bring it back to full circle in chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Where Peter says, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind arm yourselves with a mindset that I am going to endure and I am going to love and I am going to bear with and be patient with people. Amen. <laughs> it can be tough to do sometimes. Yeah. Um, not y'all. Um, but anyway. For he that suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, 1 Peter 4, 2, that he no longer should live in the, the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. I saw something on Facebook this week. I'm always seeing something on Facebook. I saw something on Facebook this week. What if today were your last day to live? You know you have 24 hours to live. What are you going to do with your final 24 hours? I, 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 and, and the writer of this article says, I don't know. I don't know if I'd just eat junk food and go crazy or, or what. But the writer pointed out that Jesus knew when he was down to his last 24 hours what did Jesus do with his last 24 hours he washed the disciples feet (laughs) you got 24 hours to live you preparing a meal and serving everybody else or is it your 24 hours and you're going to do what makes you happy see 1 Peter 4 2 says that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. What that means is when we arm ourselves, chapter 4, verse 1, with the same mindset that Jesus had Mm -hmm. to suffer Mm -hmm. for one another, to give, to love, to endure with one another. Mm -hmm. We're no longer living for our own desires. That word lust Uh, simply means desires. What do you want out of life? A bass boat, a big house, a bank account, retirement. When you arm yourself with the mindset of Jesus, of suffering and being patient with and enduring with and loving one another, then all that other stuff, nothing wrong with bass boats and pickup trucks and big houses and vacations and retirement. But that's not what life's all about anymore. It's about doing the will of God. his last speech on this earth 1968 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. told us that the Lord had allowed him to go to the mountaintop and he had seen the promised land and that he said that we as a people would make it to the promised land he had death threats he knew his time was getting near but he said he just wanted to do God's will so it should be the mindset of every child of God. Amen. And so, with that, we transition into what Peter's talking about here in chapter 3. Peter gives us three real world examples of how to suffer and endure with each other. He says, Wives, submit to your husbands, mm-hmm. he says, Husbands, dwell with your wives. That means me having a fishing cabin where I can get away from everybody is out out of the question. And then everybody come together in unity in the faith. Now the only reason we're starting with the wives is because that's where Peter started. So we'll start with wives, submit to or be in subjection to your own husbands. He says that in verse 3, likewise. Ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. First of all, that word likewise. Likewise, what are we comparing this to? We're comparing this with how Christ suffered for us. You know what Peter's saying here? He's saying, ladies, I understand this is not easy. I understand some of y'all married some pretty strange men. I understand that your husbands are not on the level, that your husbands are foolish, that they do stupid things. But Christ suffered for you. Subjection. Okay, wives, be in subjection to your own husbands. That word subjection simply means to be obedient to, to follow the leadership of, all right, to, to give honor to. There's there's another passage in Ephesians where the word submit is used, and we tend to think of that as self-degradation, and that's not what the Bible's teaching at all. The Bible's not teaching us to place ourselves in a position to be abused or to be taken advantage of or to be harmed or anything of that nature because you are a child of God. He values you, all right? He loves you. But we're talking about, so we're not talking about a situation where there's an abusive relationship or a dangerous relationship. So don't misunderstand me there. What we're talking about here is in most marriages, you have a husband and a wife. And the Bible's, and and God's model here is for the man to take the lead and for the wife to follow. And sometimes you have a really good man who makes really good decisions, who's a really good spiritual giant, and he he loves his family and takes care of them. And for the wife, it's easy to be in subjection to that man. Because he takes good care of her and he makes the right decisions. He says, be in subjection to your own husbands. That, if any, obey not the word. So Peter says, but some of y'all aren't so blessed. Because sometimes it's hard to be married to a man. You know, the daughter needs braces. The son needs shoes for school. But the husband just spent his entire tax refund check on a down payment on a truck that they didn't need, that only has two seats, so he can't take the kids to school in the morning and help out along that. Not that I've seen this happen. But sometimes it's harder to follow. Sometimes ladies are married to men who can't hold down a job. They take a job, they hold it for about six months, and then they find something wrong with it, and they quit. And they're perpetually unemployed, or they don't care, or they're disengaged, and it's hard in a situation like that and Peter says I get it but he says this is not an abusive relationship this is not a place where safety and dignity are being threatened okay he's saying even in those situations even the situations where it's hard to listen to your foolish husband where life would just be simpler if you could just take the reins and show him how it's done Peter says be in subjection to your own husbands and you say that's hard that's suffering that's that takes a lot of endurance and so Peter makes a a statement here he says in verse 5 after this manner in the old time the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands even as Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him Lord whose daughters ye are as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement Sarah and Abraham are given to us as an example here. Think Sarah and Abraham had issues, all right? Abraham tells Sarah in one passage of the Bible, he says, "We're having a famine down here in the land of Canaan. I know that God's promised this to us as a promise, like it right now. We're not going to be able to make a living here, so we're going to go down to Egypt." And Sarah says, "Okay, Egypt." Always wanted to see the pyramids, Mm -hmm. except they weren't built yet. Anyway we'll go down in Egypt and as we're going down in Egypt Abraham says oh by the way these are some pretty violent people and they may try to come and kidnap you and take you away from me if they do we're just going to tell them that I'm your brother so they don't kill me how many of you ladies would follow your husband into a place like that she went right Rebecca with Isaac she has two sons Jacob and Esau. Jacob's a good little mama's boy. Esau's an oath. But Isaac likes Esau better because he cooks deer meat good. (laughs) The Bible says he liked the way he prepared the venison. They were deer hunters. Deer jerky. Right? And Rebecca knows that God's will is to bless Jacob. Isaac's not listening. So the well, maybe Rebecca's not a good example here because she kind of pulls a little bit of trickery. <laughs> yeah. But what you don't see is Rebecca disrespecting and, and fighting against Isaac's authority as the head of the house. The holy women also, the Old Testament. There's historical precedent for this. And what happens? When Sarah obeyed Abraham, they were able to have a son that had been promised to them. Hebrews 11:11 11, 11 says through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was del- delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. So after the situation in Egypt and Sarah and Abraham are reunited and they 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 move back up to Canaan and they're doing life together and they're living in these tents and they're tending these sheep and God shows up and says in a year's time Sarah's going to have a son now bear in mind the time that God said that Sarah was going to have a son she was going to be 90 years old and Abraham was going to be 100 now I know this is Bible times but that was still pretty old back then alright and even in Sarah's prime in her heyday Sarah could not have children she was barren and that was a tough thing for a woman to have to go through back then But God said Sarah's going to have a son Sarah's 90 years old she's beyond childbearing years but God says she's going to have a son Abraham says hey Sarah God says we're going to have a son the Bible says that Sarah received strength to conceive what that means is Sarah went with Abraham in doing what it took in order to have a baby and you know what happened they had a baby And you know that baby, Isaac, became the father of Jacob, who became the father of Israel. He was renamed Israel, but he became the father of the Israel nation. And through them, we got Christ. All of God's blessings that he promised to Abraham came through. Because Sarah was willing to apply this principle of suffering, of enduring, of loving All right, ladies, y'all may feel like I beat up on you. I didn't mean to. But we do learn that when we trust the Lord and we, and we love one another, good things happen and God blesses and that's God's will. Yes. All right. Now, we just spent six verses talking to the ladies. Peter is going to spend one verse talking to the guys, but this is going to be pretty heavy. All right. Husbands, dwell with your wives. (laughs) You're like, I got the same address. Got that covered. Hold on. Likewise, like Christ suffered for us, and like your poor wife has to put up with you, you dwell with your wife. Verse 7, likewise ye husbands dwell with them, the wives, according to knowledge giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Husbands, dwell with your wives, according to knowledge, to dwell with. This goes beyond having the same address, living under the same roof. This goes beyond cohabitation. This means living together. It means doing life together. That means getting to know each other. It means getting to know her To understand her, to understand where she's coming from, her hopes, her dreams, her fears, her triggers. There's a joke that says behind every angry woman is a man who has no idea what he did wrong. (laughs) Y'all laugh because there's chances are that everybody in this room, every man in this room has been in that situation. What did I say? Right? You know what? That's me. That's me. Jessica and I have been driving along, having a good time. We're having a conversation. i say something. Next thing I know, she's angry at me. <laughs> Jessica, though, is an educator and will teach me where I went wrong. I'm blessed in that regard because some guys get the oh-nothing treatment. Yeah. What's wrong? Oh-nothing? <laughs> we ain't buying it. But, but really... How horrible are we as husbands when you can be married to the same woman for twenty years and not know why she's mad at you. You should know why she's mad at you. I can tell when I'm getting into the I can tell when I'm getting into dangerous territory with Jessica. Sometimes I don't realize what I'm doing until it's too late. Sometimes I haven't been paying attention. But I can know what's going on. You know why? Because in the twenty years we're going on twenty one. Where's the silver anniversary? 25.
1: It's 25. We're almost
0: there. You think we'd get there? Did you ever think we'd go this far? I did too. Still being alive is a, is a surprise, but, but that I'm still here, I'm not surprised we're still together. Um, long story. Anyway, I know where my wife was born. I know to what family, to what kind of family. I know where she spent her childhood. I know what her childhood experiences were. I know where she went to high school. I know what her high school experiences were. I was there with her for young adulthood on through now. So I know what those experiences were. And over the time I've gotten to know my wife, I've learned her triggers. I've learned what scares her. I've learned what angers her, what makes her feel insecure. I've learned what gives her joy. And this doesn't mean I'm good at managing these waters, but I know what the waters are. You see what I'm saying? Because I dwell with my wife. And we should all dwell with our wives. We should get to know them. We should understand them. I'm talking about this little word, intimacy. And when I say intimacy, I mean that full knowledge of each other, that full understanding of each other. Why did Peter tell us that? Because he knows that we struggle with that. We guys are not wired to connect and to be intimate with and to get to know fully. We're wired to solve a problem and move on to the next thing. (laughs) All right? And so, left to our own devices, we come home. Our wife is upset. What happened today, honey? Well, our son smarted off to me. All right, come here, son. Whap, 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 whap. Go to your room, solve your problem. I'm going out to the shop. That's not why that's not what she wanted. She wanted to she wanted me to understand. This is a made-up situation. She wanted me to understand that she felt disrespected by our son, and she the reason she felt disrespected by our son was because she felt that her our son had not learned to respect her because he didn't see me properly reverence her. You see? That's, that's, you know. But I have to stop for five seconds to learn this. Now I don't want to stop for five seconds. I want to just handle the problem, move on to the next thing because that's how we guys are wired. And guys have not changed in 6,000 years since we've been on the planet. And women have not changed in 6,000 years since they've been on the planet. All right? And so Peter knows he's got to teach these men to dwell with their wives. Wives are sick of putting up with their husbands. So Peter has to teach them to be in subjection to their husbands. Has to teach the husbands to dwell with the wives according to knowledge. Giving honor to your wife as the weaker vessel. How many of y'all think that women are the weaker vessel? (laughs) You're going to raise your hand. (laughs) But you understand, hey, you understand the biblical principle here, because we're not talking about in terms of capability, (laughs) all right, we talk about women being the weaker best, that doesn't mean that women are not as strong as men, that women can't take on as much as men, that women are incapable of doing things that men can do, I'm going to tell you, I've seen my wife disassemble a dryer and put it back together, all right, I've never done that successfully, she has, I joke that she's more of a man than I'll ever be. My grandfather bought her a set of tools and said he was going to teach her to fix things around the house because I would never learn. Yeah. <laughs> little, little, anyway. <laughs> I'm just busy, y'all. But no, um, what we talk about is giving honor unto our wives as the yes. weaker vessel. Yes. This is not about capability. No. This is about preciousness. See, in my house, you go into my house And there's a cabinet over here to the left with with glass doors. And there's a cabinet up here in the kitchen with wooden doors. Behind the wooden doors of the cabinet in the kitchen, you will find plates and cups, glasses and bowls. And some of them are breakable, some of them aren't. But if you break one of those, it's no big deal. That was on special at Walmart. (laughs) Over here behind the glass doors, you will find my grandmother's Franciscan Chinaware. From the 1930s, each piece hand painted. By the way, I looked this up on eBay. I'll, I'll, I'll never get any money for that, mm-hmm. but it was my grandmother's. There's the value, right? It's a it's a it's, a, it's an heirloom. Yeah. So when Jessica cooks up that magnificent feast of craft macaroni and cheese, are we pulling that out of the regular dishes? or Are we going to put that on the Franciscan chinaware? We're going to go get the regular dishes, put the macaroni on the regular dishes, right? Because the kids are going to be eating and playing, and they're going to drop something, and if one of those dishes break, it's no big deal. Go to Goodwill, buy some more. But if one of the Franciscan Chinaware dishes shatters, I no longer have a complete set. And by the way, that was Granny's. It's more precious. So those get, we care for them a little bit more. Preciously, right? That's what Peter's talking about here. Not that we should lock our wives behind glass doors, (laughs) but but that we should treat our wives with the reverence because they're precious. This is why we used. This is why we used to teach young boys that to become a man, they had to learn to open the doors for the ladies. While we open the car doors for the ladies, it's why the man drives. It's not that she's incapable of driving. Jessica will tell you she's a better driver than me. I don't argue because I like to take the nap. But the man giving honor unto the wife of the weaker vessel, he ought to be the one taking responsibility for making sure we get to where we're going. That's what, the, that's what we are talking about here giving honor to the wife of the weaker vessel. We give our wives preferential treatment. We are to be unified, to dwell together, not only in marriage but in our spiritual lives as well. Mm -hmm. And Peter wraps it up by saying that your prayers be not hindered. Guys, if we're not taking care of our wives, if we're not dwelling with our wives, if we are not walking in the Lord's presence with our wives, our spiritual lives will be hindered. Mm -hmm. Jessica and I have an argument. I'm not writing a sermon that day. I can't. Mm -hmm. I look at the Bible and it's just words on a paper. Because I'm not dwelling with my wife at that moment. If I'm not good with her, if we're not in unison here, I've got spiritual problems. If Christ loved us enough to go to the cross so that we could dwell with him eternally, shouldn't our love for our wives be enough for us to dwell with them? That's what Peter's saying here. And finally, we should all come together in the faith. Verse 8 says, finally, be ye all of one mind. Having compassion one of another. Love his brethren. Be pitiful. That means to be sympathetic to. Not in the way that we think. That's a little bit more natural. Um, be pitiful. Be courteous. See, what we learn in verse 21 is that Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that Christ suffered for us, that he loved us. That he loved us enough to go to the cross for us. Knowing that the Lord loves us, we should love each other. And when that with that love that we have toward each other, comes endurance Jessica and I endure with each other because we love each other that endurance may be tested today more than other days but we love each other so we endure we, love, we should love each other as brothers and sisters in Christ therefore we should endure with each other that means because we all have quirks we do and some of these quirks are a little annoying and they are but we endure with each other anyway sometimes somebody says something that doesn't make sense but we endure sometimes somebody takes 30 minutes to tell a five-minute story but we endure sometimes somebody eats all the donut holes that would be me but we endure all right because we love each other and that's what peter's saying here he says in verse 8 finally be ye all of one mind having compassion of one another love as brethren Be pitiful. Be courteous. Be of all of one mind. We should, because we endure and love each other, we should be of one mind. This means that we should be unified. Unified in the faith. This means that we should have the same basic belief structure of Jesus dying on the cross for our sins and our redemption through that. Now other things we may have differences with. We may differ in terms of when the rapture is going to happen. We may differ in terms of I don't know. Bible translations. I, you, you think of something. But that's okay. Because we're all on the same page when it comes to our salvation. Amen. We should be compassionate. When one of us is having a problem. Even if that problem is self-inflicted. We should be compassionate. My kids. They Sometimes they don't make good decisions. Sometimes they do not smart things like when there's a grease spot on the sidewalk outside of my house from my grill and one of them decides to ride the scooter straight through it yeah you slide down the rest of that sidewalk into the side of my car it's a tough lesson but i know it hurts we're gonna band-aid the boo-boo anyway right we're compassionate even if it's self-inflicted sympathetic to, to, there's a difference between, between just simple compassion and sympathy. Sympathy is kind of like empathy in this sense in that we tend to walk through these fiery trials together. Yes. We should do that. To be courteous to one another. Verse 9, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing but contrary blessing mm-hmm. knowing that ye are thereunto called That ye should inherit a blessing. Mm -hmm. This means that as we love each other. We should be forgiving. To each other. Mm -hmm. Not rendering. Evil for evil. Brother Jim wants to steal. Brother Frank's cheek. (laughs) Brother Frank says I'll teach him. I'll steal brother Jim's car. No that's not how we're going to do this. (laughs) We're going to be compassionate. Right? Railing for railing. You ever just get chewed out by somebody? No. You want to chew them back out? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, we don't do that with each other. We love each other. Yes. Plus, it doesn't solve anything. It's like in your marriage. When your spouse walks in and they're mad at you and they, and they let you know that they're upset with you, does it help the situation to jump up and scream at them, they're wrong? Mm-mm. How many of y'all have ever solved a family argument like that? It, I never have. Um, you're not going to solve an argument with your brothers and sisters in Christ like that either. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing. The contrary wise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing. We can get really annoyed with each other. He's always taking 30 minutes to tell a three minute story. Brother Leland never gets us out of here before noon. We're actually actually a possibility today. He always drinks all the orange juice. She always eats all the donut holes. He always parks up where I can't get close to the door. All right? I had a lady when I was 16 years old. I was driving myself to church. She was. She always made me move my truck because I parked in her spot, right? <laughs> we can get downright annoyed with each other. But we should endure and suffer for one another and love each other anyway Yes. because you know what if we're sitting here arguing about what color the carpet's going to be <laughs> and jesus comes back we're not arguing about the carpet color no more no. we have become suddenly preoccupied right yes. so we need to keep that in mind whatever it's hard for me to preach on this topic because nobody's complaining to me about anything so nobody's complaining to me about somebody taking 30 minutes to tell a story eating all the donut holes in fact we might still have some i don't know But looking forward, we know that these problems will come up. Just remember who we are in Christ. And that one day we are going to have a great reunion on the opposite shore of the Jordan River on that glad getting up morning. Amen. And so what we learn from 1 Peter chapter 3, we get a lesson in marriage. We get some good marital advice. But we can shorten the book a whole lot. If we take the words of Jesus from John chapter 13, where he says, as I have loved you, so love ye one another. I can get downright angry with somebody and think I'm getting the raw end of the deal. How could I possibly be getting the wrong end of the deal? I do not deserve this. I deserve better. (laughs) And Jesus says, yeah, tell me about that. (laughs) Silences your anger pretty quickly, doesn't it? That's, that's the perspective we should keep as we stand.